Hey, DJ, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's a hot one here in Southern California. Let me take a drink of my iced coffee. Hey, what the heck? There was more in here than this. Did you steal my iced coffee? Nope. Maybe. Clearly you did. It's all here, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole my venti iced oat milk shake and espresso. Now my cup has to be washed and sterilized so you get nothing. I can always get you another one. Well, that works for me. We're a couple of guys who like to watch movies Cinema nerds who made it our duty To make a show where we break down, discuss, and review We're the men who watch movies Alright, alright! Hello everybody! And welcome to another fabulous episode of The Men Who Watch Movies. My name is Alec. And my name's DJ the Movie Man Wagner, also known as the COE of The Men Who Watch Movies. And with me is my (laughs) Vice President. Would you give a big, big, big warm welcome to Alec Castro-Hone. It's great to be back doing another episode for y'all. We just saw the trailer for the new Willy Wonka movie, and that inspired us uh, to take a look back at the legendary 1971, right? 1971? Yep. Flick, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with the legendary Gene Wilder. We're going to take a look at that movie, recap some of our favorite moments, and give you our opinion. But first, before we get into all that, we're going to do what we always do. Let's talk about a little movie news this week in Movie News. Cute, that intro. All right, all right, all right. We have a lot of great movie news for you today. Our first bit of movie news... Apparently, Jennifer Garner is returning as Elektra for Deadpool 3. What do you think about that? That looks awesome. It does, it does. Are you a fan of the Ben Affleck Daredevil? Oh, yeah. I am a really, really (laughs) awesome fan. Yes. You saw it in theaters when it came out. I I, I waited until it came out on on demand. I actually watched it on cable. And I remember recording it on VHS and rewatching that over and over again. I was a huge fan of it. Uh, and, of course, the director's cut is way better. Uh, I love the added storylines. Of course, you have Coolio, you know, as the guy, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, trying to be charged with murder. Where, of course, you know, he's innocent. Rest in peace, Coolio. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, you know, not a lot, but there's like, you know, some changed up scenes and whatnot that made the movie that much more better. Um, and I love Michael Clark Duncan as, as Wilson Fisk. It was just a... Uh, I don't know. I love it. You know, uh, the, you know, even the cringy fight scene. In he the, brought in the that <laughs> gravitas and energy. And at the end of the movie, he has an orange uh, jumpsuit. So yes, that's that, right. They took it from the comic. So uh, yeah, it's just really, really awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, what did you think about that uh, that spinoff, uh, the solo Electra movie? Uh, not as good, right? <laughs> but. It's, uh, it's I mean, all right. It's, it's not Jennifer Garner's fault. It's but, all right. Uh, you know, she she did the best she could. Uh, but I do love the the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. Uh, so it's gonna be great to see her back. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen it, but they released images of the uh, 
of the costume that Wolverine's going to be wearing. Yeah, it looks woo-hoo! epic. It looks straight out of the comic books. Uh, straight out of the '90s cartoon. I love it. Uh, although I wish he didn't have the sleeves so he could show off his guns, but uh, you know, it looks looks great. Can't wait to see. Hopefully, he has the mask at some point. Uh, that that would be epic. Would, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Um. They just cut off his sleeves. You know, Wolverine has been <laughs> jacked for a lot of years. Yeah, man. He worked it's hard. Awesome. He's getting older. He worked. He worked hard to get fit for this, and then they just cover up those arms. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, he'll rip them off or something. It's messed up. Uh, but otherwise, the costume looks great. I'm looking forward to this movie. All right, all right, all right. Our next bit of movie news: Apparently, Christopher Nolan said that Robert Pattinson is the reason why he decided to direct Oppenheimer. Are you excited for Oppenheimer? Yep. I know I keep asking this, but I just want to reiterate: yes, you know, I, I'm excited too. I'm looking forward to this. I heard this is his magnum opus. This this is his greatest movie uh, ever, and I'm looking forward to this so much. Uh, according to Nolan, uh, during the Tenet rap party, Pattinson gave him a book containing all of Oppenheimer's speeches uh, from the 1950s, and that's what inspired the movie. Uh, but weirdly, the, he didn't include him in the movie, so I don't know ah. what's, a, what's about that. But uh, thank you, thank you, uh, Robert Pattinson, for inspiring. Uh, what what is said to be Christopher Nolan's greatest movie? Um, yeah, man, would, would you agree? Robert Pattinson has come a long way from from being Twilight Boy uh, to being a great actor. Oh yeah, um, he has come a long, long yeah. way, and he is still going strong. <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right, all right, all right. Our next bit of movie news: some Dune news. Are you a fan of Dune? I think I keep asking you that, but I, know I have no idea. I mean, did, I, did, I I I saw part of it. And did you like the new movie? I I, I liked it. It said I'm I'm not a a huge huge fan. I mean, like you know, I, I gave it some time, but you know, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, people said they didn't like the Patrick Stewart version because it was a little different. <laughs> but it was this version else. is a lot different. So yeah, it's a I liked it. Up. It um it had some stunning visuals and whatnot. So you know, I'm I'm gonna definitely check out Dune too. But apparently, um. They're making, uh, of course, there's going to be a trilogy, and uh, there's some new information about the third film. Apparently, it's going to be called Dune Messiah, and it's going to take place 12 years after the events of Dune and explore the nature of time and fate, the intersection of religion and government and social and philosophical dangers of hero worship. So that sounds that sounds epic. It sounds deep. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Um, right, 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 right. Next bit of movie news. Have you heard about Jonah Hill? He's been in trouble lately. Nope, I never heard of it. Like a lot of uh... actors in Hollywood, apparently. Uh, former Zoe 101 star Alexa Nicholas has accused Jonah Hill of forcibly kissing her when she was 16 years old and he was 24. That's disgusting. And, um... This is an allegation that Hill denies, apparently. And uh, Nicholas made her claim after Hill's ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, accused the actor last weekend of being emotionally abusive. So hopefully these accusations aren't true, but if it is, that's gross, man. Yeah, I've been Um, hearing this stuff. I didn't hear this stuff, but when I hear about the stuff, I'm like, oh, let's cut it out with this stuff. No, this is is disgusting. This is, you know, not professional. I mean, like, you know... I mean... Get your shit together, guys. Come on. Exactly. Uh, Get course, it together, guys. Of course, Seth Rogen, this is the second of his uh, acting buddies that's uh, been accused of being a sex pest. Of course, the other one being James Franco, the Green Goblin Jr., uh, but we'll not we'll not get into that. Not to get too off topic here. All right, all right, all right. Our next bit of movie news. 
the Screen Actors Guild is on strike officially. Uh, starting today, uh, they're they're picketing right now alongside uh, alongside the the writers. Uh, and this is like unprecedented. This is like the first time this has happened in like decades. Uh, what do you think about all this, man? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just pay them what they're worth. This is, I mean, the actors and writers literally make the movies that we enjoy. Uh, and these, these studios are just being uh, just awful. The, you know, the, it's like, give them what they deserve. Uh, would you agree? Yeah. Um, the thing is that, you know, it's so ridiculous. So the fact that, you know, that they'll be waiting and waiting until the rent goes up. And it's like. Yeah. yeah th- apparently that was like a. Uh, that was their plan. Uh, they're waiting till like late October and hoping that's like it'll push them to the brink and just that way, so that way they can make a deal uh, to the point where they're like they're almost like losing their 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 apartments and houses. This is ridiculous. It's so sketch. Um, that's just awful, awful, awful. Um, but yeah, so you know, definitely, I hope they can come to an agreement sooner or later. But this is causing a lot of delays, of course. Um, Deadful. I, I just saw a. a an announcement. We just talked about Deadpool three. That's been put on hold because uh, you know there's no actors or writers. So yeah, uh, but maybe it's for the best because um, a lot of people are worried because you know Ryan Reynolds likes to uh, ad lib, uh, especially as Deadpool. You know he's he's kind of all over the place, and so people were worried that you know because he wouldn't be allowed to ad lib because technically that's that's writing uh, in the eyes of the the guild and whatnot. Uh, so he would have to have read the movie you know as the script. Um, called for uh, so it wouldn't have been as interesting and dynamic uh, so now that they put it on hold maybe hopefully they can wait uh, to film until everything is you know finished and over that way he could ad lib uh, until his heart's content so uh, you know you know hopefully everything works out man uh, it's, a bu- it's a real bummer it's a bummer man yep all right all right all right uh, moving on, moving on. Brian Cox. Apparently, he's been blaming millennials for the woke culture. And he said they're usually the arbiters of the shaming. So, I don't know, man. He's just like a very old school guy. Um, I don't agree with him, man. Like, uh, like, I guess he's complaining because, you know, there's, you know, so many um, people putting restrictions on movies and saying, like, who should be acting in movies and the content of the movies and whatnot. But uh, I don't see anything wrong. Like, you know, he's using woke as it's a bad thing. Uh, but it just means being socially aware. And pe- there's like a certain group of people that make being woke into a bad thing. And I think he just, I don't know. I think he's just, he needs to get with the times, man. I don't know. He need, Like, I feel like he needs to understand. Like, I, I mean, I could see kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just playing, you know, devil's advocate here. Like, I, 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 I can kind of see his points. You know, sometimes uh, putting restrictions on movies can inhibit uh, you know, the quality of them and whatnot, but, uh, you know, you, you gotta be inclusive. You gotta, you, sometimes you have to have, uh, you know, a, an important message that can connect with, uh, multiple groups of people and whatnot. And there's nothing wrong with being socially aware. And I think he needs to understand that, you know, and, and, and sometimes it could be used by studios just to make money. And, and I don't think that's good. Uh, but when it's done with a dedication and, and, and actually, uh, done with heart and done for the right reasons. I think it's a great thing. And uh, to blame millennials, uh, you know, I think that's just dumb. As a millennial myself, I say Brian Cox, suck my nuts. Okay, then not to get too off topic. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, moving on, moving on. Some Tron news. Apparently, uh, Tron, uh, the next film, the third installment is going to be called Tron Ares. 
Uh, they cast Gotham alum Cameron Monaghan. Of course, he played uh, the Joker in the uh, the Gotham series. Uh, yep. Are you a fan but, of his? Yeah, and they uh, of course they changed up his costume and whatnot, the wardrobe. Gave him a purple suit, gave him uh, a hat, uh, made him look almost like Jack Nicholson a little bit, but uh, <laughs> a little, yeah. little, little, little different. But it was, uh, uh, it was a wild, um, some wild ride for his character as Jerome and the Joker, whatever he was. Yeah, and uh, there was something about like the Red Hood that they kind of made a little different. He wasn't yeah. the Joker; it was some band of robbers. Didn't they have a, didn't he have like a twin in the show too? So it oh, was yeah, really it was, strange. It was like a, a twin named Jerry. It was a failed attempt because originally they wanted to have like several uh people that could possibly have turned into the Joker in the future because you know the Joker's past is a mystery and whatnot. And he, you know um Cameron Monaghan was supposed to be one of the people portraying a possible Joker. Uh but they liked him so much they brought him back and then they killed him off and they brought him they, they have a twin or something. I don't know they they, they just they just kind of muddled it all up, I don't know. Uh it's this the series was okay, but uh I don't know. The ending that crap Batman costume it was just odd. Uh but not to get too off topic here. I do love uh do love his acting and he's, he'll be great in Tron. All right, all right, all right. Um, next bit of movie news. Tom Cruise, movie and popcorn fan, uh, reveals he has plans to make a movie in space. <laughs> what do you think about that? I think that's dangerous. It looks dangerous and very, <laughs> very new. Yeah. Apparently, he plans to work with uh, SpaceX to make this happen. I don't know, man. I feel like... Um, <laughs> I feel like have we learned nothing from uh, Ocean's Gate? Like I don't know. I feel like I feel like we shouldn't treat space, uh, you know, so, so frivolously. And it's 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 a dangerous place. And I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he. I don't want to see him get blowed up. Like <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, Tom Cruise is this wonderful, legendary actor, but he has got to stop doing his own stunts and movies because you know he's yeah. going to get himself hurt real, real bad. Yeah, I but don't we know. don't want him. But we don't want to wish ill intent on Definitely not. Mr. Cruz, but, but we want uh, him to be very, very careful. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, the more he does this stuff, I mean, the more chances he risks, which I think, you know, I think that's the, the appeal to him. Like, he wants to push himself, but space, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it, man. But he's going to do what he's going to do, so we'll see. We'll see how this ends up. All right, all right, all right. Let's move on. Next bit of movie news. Uh, there's so much information about the new Superman movie. Apparently, uh, they cast um, what's his Nathan Fillion as the new Green Lantern. Uh, but this isn't the typical version. Normally, they'll put in uh, what's his name? What's the 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 Green Lantern that they always use? Uh, Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> no, not him. I forget the the. I don't. Know, I'm drawing a blank here. But this is gonna be the 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 Guy Gardner version. Of of uh, Green Lantern, so Nathan Fillion. A lot of people saying he's too old. Uh, what do you What do you think? Not so much. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not worried about it. I think he's a great actor. Uh, people are like, oh, now this is nepotism. He's always, you know, James Gunn always putting you know people he works with in movies. But that, that happens with every director, even uh, Zack Snyder. He always put people he worked with in his movies. Uh, so it's not a big deal. I don't know. People are making it a big deal. A lot of the Zack Snyder stands are um, are just trying to shit on the the James Gunn verse right off the bat here, but. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Uh, and of course, we have um, the actress from Dora and the Lost City of Gold, Isabella Merced, uh, who's been cast as Hawk Girl. 
so that's going to be interesting. We're going to see Hawkgirl in there. And then uh, we have uh, X-Men First Class alum. And now I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Eddie Gathegi has been tapped to play Mr. Terrific. That, so this is going to be interesting. There's so many superheroes. Uh, and that has a lot of people concerned. Oh, and then there's one more as well. Uh, we also have uh, Anthony Kerrigan, uh, who's on the show Barry, which it just ended, but it's getting a lot of uh, Emmy noms and whatnot. He's playing Metamorpho. So this is going to be interesting. What do you think? Do you think it's too many superheroes for a Superman movie? It's going to be awesome. I think it's really, I, really awesome. I, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, a lot, like I said, a lot of people are expressing concern because they're like, is this a Superman movie? Why are you putting so many other characters in a Superman movie? But James Gunn is reassuring everybody. You know, they're there to serve the story, which revolves solely around Superman and Lois. And uh, he's like, Trust me, basically, you know, and I, I you know, I, I definitely do trust him. He did a great job uh, with all of the Guardians movies and the, the, you know, the sequel to the Suicide Squad. Um, his Suicide Suicide his Suicide Squad movie was excellent. So, I mean, I have no reason not to trust him with the superhero property. So, hopefully, you know, and this isn't the one that makes me go, oh no. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but he said that. Don't worry, they're there to fit the story I'm telling. And story always comes first, and that's what I like to hear. So hopefully it turns out great. Are you looking forward to Superman Legacy? Yep. Me too. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Moving on, moving on. Our next bit of movie news is a sad bit of movie news. Daniel Goldberg has passed away. Are you familiar with Daniel Goldberg? Not really. But I know you're familiar with his movies. Uh, he produced the Hangover trilogy. Yeah. And he worked Woo-hoo! he worked heavily with uh, Ivan Reitman on on many great films, including Meatballs, Stripes. Um, he worked on an animated uh, property called Heavy Metal. Uh, so many great stuff. Um, and it's just a tragedy to see you know that he passed. Um, you know we definitely will miss him. But we'll, you know, like I always say, we'll have his movies to remember him by, and uh, you know we'll never forget. We'll never forget. Yep. We'll never forget you, good sir. Well, this brings a wrap to This Week in Movie News. Now let's get on with the show. All right, all right, all right. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. What is your opinion? It's an awesome, 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 terrific movie. Definitely, definitely. It's it's, it's one of those movies that it just it's just... Uh, it just hops from generation to generation. Uh, very memorable, which is weird because, again, it's one of those movies. We talked about this when we talked about The Rocketeer, but it's one of those movies uh, that didn't do well when it came out. And it, it took a little bit of growing on everybody. Uh, but uh, once it did, it, it's, it's, you know, it's here to stay uh, within pop culture. Uh, would you agree? Oh, yeah. Very, very popular. Very, very nostalgic. Uh, full of wonderful actors, uh, full of, um, you know, great casting, you know, Gene Wilder, oh, wonderful, wonderful. Piece, a wonderful actor, we will miss you, good sir. I heard that uh, once the director, like, um, saw him, he didn't have to audition, he was like, he's, he's, he's it, he's Willy Wonka, um, he just has that, that, like you always say, gravitas, you know. Yep. Uh, it was 1971 that this movie came out. Um, and I think I feel like it holds up. Uh, doesn't I mean? Obviously, some of the visuals are dated and whatnot, but I feel I feel like the overall message of the movie 
It just it just it just holds up. It's one of those movies that's kind of timeless, you know. Uh, shot in Munich, Germany, uh, to get that kind of overall like mysterious, like everywhere ville, you know, it's like, you can't really pinpoint exactly where it is in the world. It could be anywhere in the world, essentially. Um, they didn't want to film in a, like a specific, like a place in the United States because it felt, I guess they felt like you would be able to identify it and would kind of look dated. So they picked like, uh, this old town, you know, town in Munich uh, to film in and has like this very, like, I don't know. It's just have this fairly dreamlike feel, I guess. Uh, but they did a good job picking a location. Um, what do you think about all the songs? It's um, uh, awesome you know, it's, it's and terrific songs. and very, very epic. Yeah, such memorable songs. Like originally, they were kind of uh, hesitant about making it a musical, but once once uh, they got the writers of the music in place, uh, Leslie Burkus and Anthony Newley, and then they they heard that first song, the most epic song of the movie, Pure Imagination. They knew that they were on the right track. Uh, what do you think about that song? I think it's great. Oh, it's great, and it's excellent, and it's very, very nostalgic. Yeah, and uh, Gene Wilder did a, did a great job of singing it. And it's been covered by many people since, but it's just such a memorable song. Um, yeah, I love the music in this. Uh, the movie actually came about. Do you, know why, do you know why they made the movie in the first place? I have no idea. Uh, so apparently the, the daughter of director Mel Stewart uh, read the book by Roald Dahl. And uh, she loved it so much, she came to her dad and said, like, hey, I want you to make a movie, you know, and tell, um, tell Uncle Dave, which is the producer, Dave Wolper, uh, I want, I, you know, I want this movie made. So he actually went and uh, shopped it around. Uh, apparently he was working on a project with uh, Quaker Oats at the time, and they were looking to market a chocolate bar, coincidentally. So he's like, hey, this is perfect because we can make a movie about a chocolate factory. And so we can use that as essentially the advertisement for this Quaker chocolate bar. Uh, so they called it the Wonka Bar, and um, you know they, they, they were set to release around the same time. And the, the chocolate bar was a huge failure, but the movie, uh, the movie is still popular to this day. So uh, yeah, it's a little fun fact for you. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the people who love this movie already know that, but uh, maybe there's some out, someone out there that doesn't know, and that's why we're here to spew stuff like that. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I love that intro with all the chocolate being made. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool seeing all like all the the you know chocolate being poured into molds and over the nougats and whatever the wafers and all the different things churning. What do you think about that scene? It makes me hungry. Oh, it's cool! <laughs> it's awesome. We hear the medley of all the music from the from the movie playing and a mixture of different the different songs and the orchestral arrangement. And I think it's really nice. Uh, we see all the kids running into the candy store. Uh, going to get the candy, uh, just buying up like crazy, and um, of course we get the song, uh, the Candyman. Uh, do you know who was originally supposed to play the, or who was originally tapped to play uh, the clerk? Sammy Davis Jr. Yes, that's correct. Well, he was one of the people. There was there was other other people that were interested in playing the candy store clerk. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. being one of them. Uh, but do you know why they didn't go with him? Uh, because some. Uh, change in the movie? Uh, well, it's because the director, uh, he didn't want a big star in the role. He thought it would like make it weird. Like He, he didn't want um, you know, like a, a big star to distract uh, you know, from the movie in that way uh, and, and kind of break up the, the, the kind of realism. Not realism in the movie's not real in it, but, but he stretched the imagination, but he didn't want to break the kind of reality of that movie by putting a big star in that role. Uh, so he decided against it. 
Uh, they get they cast an actor named Aubrey Woods. I think he did a great job. But it's funny. Uh, the the uh, the one of the writers of the song, Anthony Newley, uh, he hated uh, the way that the guy sang the song so much so that he wanted to uh, re-record uh, his his singing with his own voice and he, he kept trying to push it a couple times, but the contracts wouldn't let him. And there was a stipulation that that wouldn't allow him to do it. So he ended up releasing his own version of the song. And, you know, I just, I think it's hilarious. And then um, of course, Sammy Dimmish Jr. Uh, he, he's famous for singing that song. Uh, he released his own version that went to the top of the charts. I believe it like, it was like his only number one. And he became synonymous, synonymous with that song, which is funny because he wanted to play that character. Uh, just a little fun facts. I'm trying to load this movie with some, uh, this review with some fun facts here. Uh, keep it interesting. Uh, we see Charlie uh, watching all the kids uh, buy up the candy through the window. He looks sad as shit because he's poor. He comes from a poor family. Uh, he, it's him and his mom. I think his mom works like like she's she like cleans clothing. She works like a like at a laundry place, right? And then uh, he uh, he does a paper route. It just you know. Him and his mom helping support his four other family members, his his two, uh, his four grandparents. Uh, we have Grandpa Joe, uh, Grandma Josephine, uh, Grandpa George, and Grandma Georgina, or some shit like that. Was that those are the names? Why their name? Why the grandmas and grandpas' names so similar? It's just weird. Uh, I never got that, but uh, they're a bunch of lazy shits. <laughs> uh, and then then uh, you know him and the mom have to support them. Because apparently they're bedridden, but uh, I don't know. I don't know about one of them. Grandpa Joe. <laughs> Grandpa Joe. Uh, we'll talk about his his. We'll talk about that asshole it's later. It's very strange. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, and then not to get too off topic here. Uh, so yeah. So Charlie, he's he's working his paper route. Um, then he stops. He happens to stop by uh, the Wonka factory just to take a peek. Uh, and then uh, there's a creepy guy. I don't know. He's, he's like a what is he selling knives or something? He has like a big cart of knives, or is, either that or he's a serial killer. What, what's up with that guy? I have no idea, but it was so <laughs> random. Yeah, and he comes to tell Charlie about uh, the factory. How no one goes in and no one comes out. Uh, I don't know. This creepy shit. Uh, and then Charlie goes home uh, to what I call old people hell. There's like his four grandparents bedridden, all laying together in a in a weird configuration where like the like two of them are on one side and the other two are on the other side facing each other. That's it's just safe. really weird. They're cram I know it's a fire hazard. They're crammed into this little house. Uh, and then they're, they have to eat cabbage water for dinner cause they're so poor. Ugh. Poor Charlie is tired of cabbage water. He actually brings home a loaf of bread. Um, so he, Charlie's literally, you know, he's, what is he like 10 and he's like the breadwinner <laughs> literally. Uh, and then he offers, um, uh, to to you know give Grandpa Joe some tobacco, but he's like, no, I have no right to smoke when a loaf of bread looks like a banquet. Um, yeah, he's right. He is right. Uh, later that night, uh, Charlie tells Grandpa Joe about um, the 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 crazy knife man and what he said about the Wonka factory, and he confirms his story. He's like, yeah, uh, you know, Willy Wonka, he became a recluse after you know, a bunch of spies tried to go in and steal his his uh, candy secrets, and so now. Uh, he doesn't let anyone in or out, and you know Charlie's wondering how. Well, how does he make all the chocolate? Like, if he, if there's no one comes in, he must have help. And of course, we, later we find out who's helping him. But uh, uh, then we hear Grandpa Joe talk about a a ruthless guy named Slugworth, who is the worst of them all. Later, we will see Slugworth. But uh, in the meantime, we'll have to keep wondering. Um, 
Later we see Charlie at school. Uh, they're doing some kind of weird chemical demonstration that ends up blowing up in their face. Uh, but uh, we see a kid running frantically telling him about how Willy Wonka is going to open up, open up his factory. He has a contest going on. He puts some golden tickets inside of his Wonka bars and everyone just goes apeshit crazy. Uh, thus begins Wonka fever, man. I don't know. Would you, uh, would you go apeshit if you found out uh, someone was going to give you a lifetime sh- sh- supply lifetime supply of chocolate yeah <laughs> yeah 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 me too i mean i don't know if i would go that crazy they, they were going nuts in that movie but uh uh i don't know uh, i wouldn't go crazy crazy but i would just be a like, little crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah yes i agree i agree uh, like the, so that you know, we see a bunch of montages, people going nuts, buying up a bunch of chocolate bars. There's a lot of funny like side stories uh, with a bunch of people. Um, like there's a guy at a shrink's office. He's talking to his psychiatrist about his dreams and how the dreams are speaking to him. And he's like, oh, a lot of times dreams are manifesta- manifestations of like mental illness or something like that. And then and not you know, not to listen to them, but he's like, but I've been hearing you know. Like an angel came to me or something like that. And he's like, and telling me the location of the of the golden tickets. And then he's like, I demand to know where they're at or something like that. Uh, so <laughs> I think, you know, I thought that was that hilarious. That was random. Yeah. And then um, there's another guy. He's like a scientist who built a machine uh, to tell him where the location of the, the, you know, the golden tickets are at. So he's like, I'm going to input this code and it'll tell me where it's at. And the machine puts out, um, I won't tell you because that's cheating. He's like, okay, now I'm going to tell the machine. I will offer it, uh, you know, to share the grand prize uh, with it if it tells me the location. And then the machine's like, well, what would I do with a lifetime supply of Wonka bars? And then he's like, okay, now I'm going to tell the machine exactly what it can do with a lifetime supply of Wonka bars. Uh, my, my favorite one of all, though, is that there's a lady... Whose uh, whose husband is being held hostage, and uh, yeah, that was just like pretty random. Yeah, and then apparently she bought a case of Wonka bars, uh, but she she hasn't opened them yet. And then so the people kidnapped the husband in exchange for the case of Wonka bars, but uh, she doesn't want to give them up. She's like, "Hmm, uh, you know, can we negotiate a little bit?" Yeah, I think that's hilarious. She'd, random. She'd, she'd rather give up her husband. But it's like so random and out of context. <laughs> and uh, there was so much stuff in there. And we didn't see what happened. But they didn't want to give too much away and whatnot. So I'd, <laughs> I had no idea what's going on. Yeah. But every, everyone was just going nuts. Uh, we see the first winner, Augustus Gloop. He's a chonker. Uh, you know, we see him and they, they're interviewing him at a restaurant. Apparently that was a real restaurant in Germany where they filmed the movie, uh, the, that the cast and crew would go eat at. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, they're interviewing the kid about winning and then he's just still chomping away. Uh, him and the dad, especially like the mom takes some time to talk to the interviewers, but, uh, the dad, uh, doesn't say where he goes as as far as actually eating the <laughs> microphone that the interviewer so uh, random. Like what the hell? This it's not a this isn't a Wonka microphone. This is an actual like microphone, <laughs> and he eats the the freaking head of the microphone. It's uh, not even edible. <laughs> Uh, this is that was just insane. I, I love those little surreal moments in there. They're just they're just so wacky. That was so surreal yeah. and. Uh, disgusting yeah and then we see the the evil slugworth uh he goes to each of the winners uh, when they win and he whispers something in their ear we don't hear what he says but later on we find out uh veruca uh veruca salt is the next winner 
and her, her dad works like at a what a peanut factory or something normally the the workers work tirelessly shelling peanuts but they're working uh to um take the wrappers off the wonka bars trying to find that golden ticket uh, eventually like she's just bitching about the whole time like i want that wonka bar now she's always, every time uh, she wants something she's always just mercilessly um just just whines and and, and throws a tantrum uh she, the actress did such a good job at uh at portraying that bratty kid uh she wasn't even the brattiest one on uh you know in uh, that was in the cast uh, we'll we'll get to that in a bit but uh uh, but yeah, eventually they do find the golden ticket, and uh, so she's going to be the uh, second one to go. Uh, we see it's Charlie's birthday, and uh, Charlie gets a Wonka bar from the family. Uh, he opens it up, uh, and at first he kind of fakes uh, that he wins for some reason. I don't know why he does that, but uh, but much to everyone's chagrin that he did not. He did not win the golden ticket. Uh, but the, the good kid that Charlie is, he offers to share his Wonka bar with the whole family, uh, and they're like, no, 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 it's your special day. But it just shows you how good of a kid uh, that Charlie is. And it sets up it sets up the story perfectly. Um, and we see eventually that the, due to Wonka mania, all the, the chocolate bars are in short supply. Everyone's like out of stock. Uh, they're trying to fly it in as fast as they can from wherever they're making it. But uh, just they can't keep it on the shelves, man. Uh, Violet Beauregard is the third winner. Her dad works at a used car lot. She's a typical sleazy salesman. And... Uh, she has a habit of chewing gum, which will come to haunt her later. Um, but yeah, she was funny. I heard the actress based the character off of a bunch of annoying uh, students that she went to school with. Um, she did a good job. And of course, um, uh, we also have the other winner, Mike TV. Uh, he was uh, reportedly the most annoying one on set. Even uh, there was an interview. I was watching the behind the scenes with uh, Gene Wilder being interviewed, and he said that he was the brattiest one of them all. Uh, reportedly, I, uh, I read somewhere online that at one point, I don't know if you remember, in the factory there was a scene with like bees, and they were making honey. Uh, apparently, there were actually uh, hornets in there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, being the brat that he is, he opened the, the little bell jar with the with the hornets in it, and he accidentally lets them out, and uh, I think one of them stung him or something like that. Uh, but yeah, he, he even said himself that he was a brat, and, and Gene Wilder said so too. But he's like, but if you're watching this now, just know that I, I love you now, but back then you were such a brat. <laughs> uh, so apparently he was the worst on set. Um, Charlie. We, later on, we see Charlie. He visits his mom at work. And he's so downtrodden. He just feels like he, he's not winning at life. Um, and he tells his mom about, uh, you know, how he kind of updates her on the tickets that have been, have been found. And he feels like he's not going to win. And she tells him straight up, she's just like, hey, you know, there's so many people in this world. There's billions of people in this world and only five tickets. And she's like, you know, you may not get it, but, you know, that's okay. Everything's going to be all right. She sings the song, Cheer Up, Charlie. Uh, what do you think about that song? A lot of people don't like it. It's very, very <laughs> good and very, very beautiful. I like it. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like it sets the perfect tone. It has this perfect message. You know what? You know, everything will work out. Cheer up. Keep your head up. You know, keep keep on keeping on. I can agree with that message. Um, that night, uh, Grandpa Joe gives Charlie another Wonka bar, but uh, to no luck. There's no there's no golden ticket. And then we see uh, the fifth ticket has been found supposedly by a man from paraguay uh and then uh the, the whole family's watching it on tv and they're, they're, they don't want to tell charlie because they don't want to make him sad but he overheard he was laying in bed 
and we see tears in his eyes. It's so sad. Uh, eventually, the next day, um, we see the, we see them at school. They're learning about percentages and stuff, and then the teacher's using the amount of Wonka bars that the kids wa- uh, opened uh, to you know to come up with a percentage number. And then like most of the kids are like, "How many did you buy?" You know, hundred. I opened one hundred and fifty. And then Charlie's like, um, "Oh, I opened two. And then the teacher thinks he means two hundred because all the other kids opened like a shit ton of Wonka bars. And then uh, he's like, no, I just opened two. He's like, two? He's like, he's like razzing him about it. Uh, that, uh, what a jerk teacher. Uh, but yeah, after school, he's just sad walking around. And luckily, things are about to change. Literally, he finds some change in like a grate, right? Yeah, in, in like a sewer or in the, in the, in the whatever stuff he finds it in there. He yeah. Finds it in the... Yeah. He finds it. Yeah. It's some kind of like sewer grate. And then, uh, you know, it's almost like fate intervening, you know, things are going to change. Yep. And of course the, uh, fifth ticket was actually a hoax by that yes. host guy. Yes. We find out it was a fraud. Um, <laughs> so Charlie uses the money, uh, to go and buy, uh, some chocolate at the point. He still, he hasn't heard that the fifth ticket was a hoax. Uh, so he goes in and buys a uh, scrum umptious bar at the recommendation of the, the store clerk. And then just by chance, being the good kid that he is, he's like, you know, I'm going to buy my Grandpa Joe, uh, even though he's a jerk. <laughs> I'm going to go buy that my, my Grandpa Joe uh, a chocolate. So he buys him a Wonka bar. And because of that act of kindness... Um, you know, good things are going to happen. And then uh, that's when he hears that the fifth ticket was a hoax. And then uh, there's that music starts to swell. And he decides, you know, I'm going to take a look inside this this Wonka bar. And then all of a sudden we see a little sliver of gold. And lo and behold, he wins the golden ticket. Uh, I don't know. I love that scene. Everyone just like swarms him and starts mobbing him and stuff like that. But the, his boss is nearby. And he's like, run, Charlie, run home and don't stop till you get there. And then he just runs triumphantly home. Uh, everyone doesn't believe him, believe him at first because they, they haven't heard the news that the fifth. <laughs> they haven't heard the news that the fifth ticket was a hoax yet. But he's like, no, 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 this is real. Uh, the other one was a fake. I have the real one. And, and then Grandpa Joe reads it and they see that he is telling the truth. And then this is where it gets a little weird because Grandpa Joe, you know, he, this whole time he's been claiming that he's been bedridden for the past 20 years. And that motherfucker, he gets out of bed and starts dancing and shit. Like, you could have been working the whole damn time. <laughs> and you decide that now, now, now that, you know, Charlie won the golden ticket, now you're better? You son of a bitch. <laughs> but, no, I mean, you know, I mean, this has been said by many people, but Grandpa Joe is, is the real villain of this movie. Uh, forget Slugworth, you know. Uh, uh, but yeah, so Grandpa Joe, I mean, it takes him a little bit, but I think he has to fake it, you know, just to make it look legit. But he gets up, he's a little shaky at first, but then he starts dancing. I got a golden ticket. I got a golden twinkle in my eye. And then, uh, him and Charlie are dancing around the room. This part where Charlie's uh, a little out of key, not, not that I'm making fun of him, but, uh, reportedly it's because he was going through puberty at the time. So that's understandable. Um, but uh, they're, they're all excited and whatnot. Uh, Grandpa Joe's like, you got to comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face or whatever. And then they're like, no, 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 Grandpa, it's like not till later. Uh, but then, you know, eventually they go, they go to the Wonka factory. Everything's a buzz. There's so many people there. The media is there. Everyone's going nuts for Wonka. They want to catch a glimpse of the recluse, the legendary Willy Wonka. 
you know, eventually, eventually Wonka, uh, emerges, uh, from, from his, uh, from his, uh, factory. <laughs> I can think of the word there. Uh, now that this is a this famous scene, uh, and I think you know the story, right? But apparently Gene Wilder was the one that came up with that, uh, that whole moment. Do you know why? Yeah. He wanted to fake the walk. Yeah. Yeah, so he basically he this is this is his whole stipulation for doing the movie. Like he's like, if if you don't include the scene, I'm not going to do the movie, uh, because his theory was that he wants to, you know, keep everyone on their toes. So basically, the scene uh, he walks out of the factory and he's limping, and it looks like he's you know an old disheveled man and whatnot. Uh, then at one point, it looks like he's falling over, like he's going to fall flat on his face. Uh, then he does a roll and he springs up on his feet and it turns out he wasn't crippled at all. And the theory behind that is, is that Gene Wilder said he he wanted to include that moment because, you know, then the audience wouldn't know whether he was telling the truth or lying. You know, he they, he wanted to keep that air of mystery about Wonka, keep people on their toes. And that was his one stipulation for doing the movie was including that scene. And so I think it's a little brilliant touch um, yep. by a brilliant actor. It was a great choice. Uh, what do, what do you think about that scene? Awesome, just awesome, funny, terrific. Definitely, definitely. Uh, apparently, it took Gene Wilder two weeks training with two stuntmen to do that flip right, uh, but it was worth it. Uh, definitely, I think it definitely adds some characterization and whatnot. Uh, I like when they finally go into the factory, and then uh, just from the the get go, everything's just wackadoo. Like they're, they're, they hang up their coats on those creepy hand coat hangers. Turns out like the hands move and they grab their coats. He's like, oh, yeah, "Don't worry, there's a lot of surprises around the corner, but nothing dangerous." I thought that was creepy. What did you think about that? Yeah, I thought it was very, very creepy, but uh, whose idea was it? Oh, I don't know. Um, probably the writers or something. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Uh, and then they all uh, they all go to the wall with the large contract. Wonka wants them to sign a, a waiver. Uh, but all the parents are hesitant, especially, um, you know, like the Sam Beauregard. You know, he, he claims that he uses contracts all the time in his business, and they're for suckers. And uh, none of the parents want him to sign, except for Grandpa Joe. He's like, hey, go ahead, Charlie. We have nothing to lose. But, uh, you know, none of them want to sign. But he, he makes it clear that they have to sign or they ain't going in. And uh, at one point, Violet, she's like, uh, you know, you better sign it or else. You know, she's always bossing her dad around. Uh, but eventually they sign because uh, they want to go in the factory. And then they go in that little, like, cramped black and white zigzag crazy room. And they're all freaking out because it's so, like, there's no way out. They're, they, there's supposed to be a door on the other end, but they can't find it. And then the, the one door that they came in closes behind them. They're just like panicking at first. And then uh, Wonka's like, I know there's a door around here somewhere. And he's like, oh, here it is. And you're like, you're crazy, Wonka. That's the door that we came in. And then he opens it up. And it's a completely different uh, you know, area than the, the area that they came from. And then they're just like, what the heck? They're like, what is this, some kind of fun house? He's like, why, having fun? <laughs> <laughs> I love those. I love his responses to everything. It's funny. Uh, and then he goes down that weird shrinking hallway. Um, the optical illusion is great. Like he it looks like he's like getting huge, but it really the room's getting smaller. And then he brings him to the most epic room of the movie, the chocolate room. And he, I like how he opens that little musical lock. And then of course, the when they open the doors, we see the the crazy. Epic chocolate room. What do you think about that? Do you, do you like the set design? Oh, the set design is so awesome. It's so terrific. Awesome. Full of nostalgia. 
just awesome and really, really wonderful. And uh, thank you, thank you, Gene Wilder. Definitely, definitely. Um, I heard that they had, um, I heard that they had like a pretty small budget, you know, compared to movies of the time. Like, I think they only had like two million. So it was really like. Uh, for what they accomplished, you know, they they really had little to work with, but they made it work, man. They they like the full like you know waterfall, and they had a boat and everything. It's so crazy. Um, like, a, and then I think Gene Wilder said like a third of the stuff was actually edible. You know, we see the you know we see them eating some of the stuff in the in the movie and whatnot. Uh, but uh, apparently that was the real reaction uh, when they opened the doors to the chocolate room. All the cast and the you know, the kids and the parents that was their real reaction. They, they were seeing it for the first time. And so they, it caught their genuine reaction to the to the beautiful chocolate room, and of course we hear the epic song "Pure Imagination," sung wonderfully by Gene Wilder. You know, uh, it's one of my, it's definitely my favorite song of the movie. <laughs> Come with me, and, you know, we see the, and you'll see explanation. <laughs> they got some of the words mixed up, but that's that's okay. Um, but not to get too off topic here. <laughs> Um, then, then at one point he just unleashes them on the room and they, they go nuts eating, che- literally chewing the scenery. Uh, there's like giant gummy bears and, you know, edible, like there's like these giant mushrooms with cream in them and all kinds of cool stuff and candy trees. And I like that last part when he sits down and he finishes the song and he, and he is drinking a, out of a little teacup, uh, that was growing out of plants and then he eats the teacup. <laughs> I thought that was fun. That's a lot of little fun moments in this. Uh, and then they, uh, we get introduced to the Chocolate River. Uh, I heard that the Chocolate River stunk like shit. Because uh, at one point they tried using like real chocolate and, and like a cream mixture. And it just like it just rotted underneath the hot lights of the set. And then uh, the guy played Augustus Gloop. He's like, it, just, it was just smelly cold water. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, and then, then we see the Oompa Loompas. Everyone's like tripping balls because they see, they see like these, these, these little um, orange men walking around. Like, what are those? And then they're like, oh, those are the Oompa Loompas. You know, he talks about how he rescued rescued them from Loompa Land, and all the parents are thinking, you know, think they're crazy. I think it was um, Mike Mike TV's mom. She's like, I, I teach geography, and there's no such place called Loompa Land. Um, but he's like, yes, there is. You know, I, I had to save him from the Snozwangers and the Vermicious Knits, and a lot of Dr. <laughs> Seuss references. May I add? Yeah, uh, kind of. It I was mean, familiar, and it was like, hey, you, yeah, this it does sound familiar. very Seuss. You know, it's, it's uh, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, it does, found, it does sound very Seuss-esque. Uh, and then fucking, uh, fucking uh, Violet, not Violet, uh, what's her name? The, the other one, the, the, the annoying one that, that's rich. Um, Veruca. The, the, the only thing she, she could think of when she sees the Oompa Loompa, she's like, I want an Oompa Loompa. Like, she wants to own a person. Like, what the, what the hell? That's ridiculous. That's kind of out of context. That's awful. But, uh... You know, it is what it is. You know, it was yeah. a movie back then. It was the height of its time back then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just insane. Uh, and anyway, we see Augustus. You know, he's a little fatty. He can't help but drink from the chocolate river. Wonka's freaking out. And he's like, no, it's not supposed to be touched by human hands. You're going to ruin <laughs> the chocolate. And then he falls in <laughs> to the cold, stinky water. <laughs> and he gets, uh, you know, his, mom, his mom's freaking out. And he gets sucked up the... Uh, the chocolate tube that's supposed to suck up the chocolate, and then, um, and then at first he gets stuck, and then uh, I like how the uh, Grandpa Joe, he's like, uh, well, because Wonka's mentioning how there's there's tremendous pressure building around him, and eventually he's gonna get sucked up through it, and then Grandpa Joe's like, um, 
he's talking to Charlie. Charlie's like, you know, what's going to happen to him, Grandpa Joe? He's like, well, you always you asked me how a gun works. You're going to see right now. He's essentially equating the, uh, you know, the tube to a barrel of a gun, and Augustus is the bullet, and eventually the pressure is too great, and he shoots up the, he shoots up the the uh, chocolate suction chute. And then uh, Wonka's like, he's going to get uh, taken to... Uh, and then the, I think his mom's like, oh, he's going to get turned into fudge. He's like, that's ridiculous. That doesn't go to the fudge room. It, it, something like that. And it goes to the marshmallow room or whatever. <laughs> and then so he sends uh, for the Oompa Loompas to take his mom to reunite with Augustus. Uh, and then we get the first of the many Oompa Loompa songs warning. This one warns about uh, gluttony and overeating and whatnot. Uh, each of the songs has like a moral to the story. Um... What do you think about those Oompa Loompa songs? Very, very funny <laughs> and very, very awesome. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they can be a bit creepy, but they tell a good uh, story. You know, it's like a cautionary tale, if you will, you know. Uh, so after the, the, the gloop incident, uh, Wonka takes them to the Wonkatania, the boat. The funny thing about the boat, it was on a track in the, in the river of chocolate. But the, uh, the Oompa Loompa driving it, the actor thought he was actually steering the boat and the director didn't tell him because you know, he wanted to maintain realness and whatnot. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but this is one of the most fa- famous scenes of the movie uh, when they go through the tunnel. Uh, and they have a freak out, man. The, I don't know what's up with that tunnel scene, but it's it's definitely epic. What do you think about the tunnel scene? It's awesome, you know. Gene Wilder's dialogue is so funny and <laughs> so scary. You know, yeah. he has his eyeballs like, yeah, I heard a lot of the people on the boat were actually uh, freaking out over the way Gene Wilder was acting because, you know, he's you know he's playing it like straight the whole time. He's like playing it creepy, all you know, saying creepy things and acting really weird, singing, and then a lot of the the actors, especially the younger ones, they got creeped out by him. But uh, you know, that's that's just how good of an actor he is. You know, I don't know what's what so crazy though, like all those creepy. Like psychedelic colors, and then there's like bugs crawling on people's faces. I think there's like a chicken getting its head cut off. Everyone's just go freaking their shit out, man. And then even Violet says, "And what is this? A freak out?" And then uh, he's singing a song. Uh, apparently, the lyrics were actually from the book from uh, Roald Dahl's uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, where it's like, "There's no earthly way of knowing which direction we are going." And then that the whole the whole uh, song that he sang was actually. From the book, and that's one of the only songs that they pulled from the book itself. Uh, but yeah, that was funny. And all of a sudden, it just culminates into this. It, everything just gets more chaotic and chaotic until it just ends, and they uh, they come out the other side of the tunnel. Everyone's just all tripped out and stuff. Um, and, and I never noticed this before, but at one point, uh, when all the chaos is going on, Mike TV he pulls out his gun and he's like pointing it in each direction. Like, uh, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but finally, they arrive at the inventing room. Uh, just before they get there, Wonka, he speaks in a bunch of different languages uh, during the movie. Uh, but this one, this time when they get to the, in, the, the inventing room, uh, we hear him speaking German. And it translates to, ladies and gentlemen, please give me your attention. You've now come to the most interesting room of my factory and the most secret room at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, the inventing room. That's um, so when we see all the crazy uh, different things that he's working on. There's like exploding candy, freaking uh, Mike TV. He kind of gets what he's asking for. He, like he, he eats, he's explicitly told not to eat the exploding candy, and then he puts it in his mouth, and then like it blows him back, and then he lands on his ass. Uh, then we see all kinds of crazy stuff. There's like, um, there's like vats of stuff being made, and then uh, it's like I said, this movie is very surreal. Uh, I mean, of course, I mean that goes without saying, but there's moments like 
It's kind of confusing. Is he doing this just for show, or is this how how he actually makes his candy? Like, there's like one vat of something, and he tastes it, and he's like, "Oh, it's too cold," and he puts a coat in it because it's cold. And then, or there's like one uh, vat where he's like, "Oh, this needs more kick," and he puts a boot in there. Like, is he actually putting boots in his candy, or is this just is this just show uh, for the people visiting that day? I don't know. What do you think? Is he is, is he putting boots in his candy? I have no idea, but it, <laughs> but this movie is entertaining. Yeah. And then finally he reveals the most secret machine of all, the machine making the everlasting gobstopper. And, uh, oh yeah, one thing I forgot to mention, when Charlie won, uh, we finally got to see what Slugworth was talking about, uh, what he was whispering in the ears of all the children as they won their uh, golden ticket. Uh, apparently he was saying that he he wanted uh, the children to bring back an everlasting gobstopper so he could find out its secret, because if, if Wonka released it, it would ruin him forever. And he wants them to sneak out an everlasting gobstopper. And so we finally see the machine that makes the everlasting gobstopper. And he gives a sample to each of them. And um, Slugworth offered anyone who can bring him one, I think like $10,000 or something. Uh, so I, you can almost see like the the intent for the, the people who got a gobstopper to bring back one, uh, you know, one with them. Because I think, I forget who it is. I think it's either Violet or, or Veruca or one of them. I think they crossed their fingers when he makes some promise that he'll keep it, they'll keep the everlasting gobstopper a secret. And then I think, I, I, I'm pretty sure I think one of them like crosses their fingers or something. Uh, so the, they definitely have intent of uh, screwing over Wonka for some cold, hard cash. Those jerks. Um, but yeah, so we see the everlasting gobstopper. Uh, apparently it's a candy that you can, you can suck on it and suck on it and it never gets any smaller, never loses its flavor. That would be revolutionary. What, do you think, what, what would you think about a candy like that? Oh, it would be awesome. But isn't there a store that actually makes that kind of stuff? Or I mean, they, I think they've made an everlasting gobstopper, but obviously it doesn't last forever. But supposedly the one in the movie, it was supposed to last forever. Uh, next, uh, he, he introduces the gang to a three-course meal gum. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. This sounds really cool. And um, apparently, like, you chew on it, and then it has, like, we see, like, the machine. It has, like, different stations with, like, tomatoes and different, like, courses and desserts and whatnot. And supposedly it, it distills all these flavors into this little piece of gum. And you chew it, and uh, at first it gives you the flavor of, like, a, the first course, and then eventually it turns into the second course of the meal. And then we get, like, a dessert flavor. That sounds so interesting. And, of course, uh, we see Violet Beauregard. She can't resist a good piece of gum, as we know. Uh, from when we, were, when we were first introduced to her, she's an avid like gum chewer, aficionado, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then she can't help but take a piece of gum, even though Wonka said not to. It's still experimental, but she starts chewing it, and she's like, oh, this is amazing. It tastes like like a tomato soup. I can feel it running down my throat, and oh, the, no, this is a baked potato. And then the dad's like, ha, with sour cream. And then, then oh, she's like, the dessert course is coming up. Mm, it's a blueberry pie or something like that. And then, of course, he as says, we know. Violet, you're turning violet. <laughs> violet, you're turning violet, Violet. And then her face starts turning blue. And then she starts blowing up into a big blueberry. Uh, I heard that thing was, like, so uncomfortable. And then, then um, at one point, uh, when he calls the Oompa Loompas over, because he says that if she keeps expanding, she's going to explode. And she's uh, she's filled with juice. Like blueberry juice, so they ha they have to uh, squeeze her to to prevent her from like exploding. So they take her to the extraction room or whatever. And then um, uh, the the actress apparently said that when the Oompa Loompas 
uh, were rolling her around in that scene. Uh, they they were uh, shorter than she was wide, so like they were trying to roll her around, and they kept bumping her into the walls and stuff. And she's like, they didn't, they definitely didn't have their blueberry driving license. Uh, but that, yeah. So then we hear the next Oompa Loompa song, warning against uh, bad habits and chewing gum and whatnot, and as she's taken away uh, to this juicing room or whatever it's called. Uh, so another one, as they say, bites the dust. After the whole um, incident with uh, Violet, uh, they go into this one room that has like the lickable wallpaper. I think that's kind of cool. Apparently, the the actor who plays Charlie Peter Ostrom said that the wallpaper tasted like nothing, and it was disgusting uh, having a licked uh, wallpaper. It just tasted like blah paper, like plain paper. Um, you know, apparently, but in in the movie, it's supposed to have like different flavors. The the you know the blueberries taste like blueberries. The and then and there's some made up berry. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Uh, reportedly, there's on the internet people saying that oh schnozberry is like a euphemism for something dirty, like a like male genitalia or something like that. <laughs> and they included it in there to be dirty and whatnot. But uh, Roald Dahl he he used that in a in a work that he made after the movie came out. So retroactively, it became something dirty. But uh, during the movie, when they put that in, it wasn't intended to be a dirty reference or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I thought I'd just include that to clear up the air about that. The Wonka wasn't being a perv. Uh, and then after that, they go to the fizzy lifting drink room. And um, apparently it's like this, you know, it's, it's like has like 10 times as fizziness as a regular soda. Uh, they move on pretty quickly, but Charlie and uh, Grandpa Joe stay behind. And Grandpa Joe being the deviant that he is, the jerk... He convinces good Charlie to take a sip of the fizzy lifting drinks. Uh, like so much snake uh, to Eve in the Bible, he convinces him to partake of the forbidden fruit. And at first, everything's going fine until they start floating to the ceiling. At first, it's amusing. They're having fun flying around, doing flips and whatnot. Uh, but then shit gets serious. They start floating up to the, the freaking fan in the ceiling. They're going to get chopped to bits. But luckily... Um, I think who is it first that burps? I think Grandpa Joe or uh, uh, Grandpa Charlie. Grandpa Joe burps, and then and then the Charlie starts... burps. But I do remember that this was actually a parody on Family Guy. Oh, I saw. <laughs> yeah, I remember you watching that. Clip Such great nostalgia. Where the, I mean, Peter Griffin goes to the beer factory. So, uh, it just was so funny uh, right, yeah. and, and then, stuff like that. And it was, it was so different, but it it made sense why they were going to parody <laughs> because yeah. obviously Seth MacFarlane likes Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's a big pop culture fan, so he, he parodies a lot of stuff. And, of course, in true family guy fashion, instead of burping, they fart. But uh, not, not to get too off topic here. And then uh, Charlie and Grandpa Joe, they, they burp their way down, and finally they, uh, they, luck, they luck out, and then they make their way uh, to, to meet up with the rest of the group who's looking at the room with a giant, the, the giant gooses laying golden eggs, uh, golden chocolate eggs. And, of course, uh, Veruca... Salt's eyes are bugging out. She wants one of those geese. She wants a geese that can lay golden eggs for Easter. And she wants it now. And then that leads to the, the song, I want it now. Um, she played such a good jerk. The, the director had to kind of egg her on. He's like, Boom, be meaner and be meaner and be nastier the whole time. Like, you have to be more mean. Eventually, she just like, screw it. I'm going to act as mean as I can. And she, uh, she did a great job. She was at one point. She's like trashing the room and not like knocking over Oompa Loompas. Such a jerk. Uh, she's such a psychopath. Um, but then the 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 song ends with her standing. Uh, there's like a a machine called the egg decator, and apparently um, it's a good egg. Yeah, they they place the golden egg. eggs on the but egg decator. It's a bad egg, and it gets 
Yeah, it gets sent down to sent the down. Uh, to the um, incinerator. And if it's a good egg, then the Oompa Loompas take it and they ship it off, do whatever they're going to do with it. Uh, and then the last bit of the song, she's like, I want it now. And then she stands on the egg decator and it, it, it opens up from underneath her. They actually did it for real. I mean, obviously it wasn't like a large pit. Um, but the, it was actually a trap door that opened up and she, the actress is like, this, it was the oddest feeling standing on something that just gives away underneath you. Uh, but I had to keep my arms in the whole time so I wouldn't bump my elbows. And, um, you know, I had a, once, uh, once I reached the bottom of it, I had to keep ducked down. So that way the, the doors didn't hit my head on the way, you know, when they closed back or something like that. Um, but in the context of the movie, uh, she falls down this large chute and then um, the dad's freaking out, like, where, you know, where'd she go? Well, that, that um, you know, that chute leads to the, the, uh, the garbage chute. Um, and then he's like, hopefully she doesn't get incinerated. He's like, but the, the incinerator's lit only every other day. So she has a really good sporting chance. And so he's freaking out and he jumps in after her. Uh, I mean, good, a good dad. Although he, uh, he's not that good of a dad because he raised her like crap. Let her walk all over Walk all over him, but uh, I, you know, not to get too off topic here. Uh, and of course, the Oompa Loompas, and you know, as usual, they sing their song about being greedy and spoiled. Uh, the remaining group uh, is taken uh, to the Wonka Mobile, uh, although it's called something else. I think he calls it like the I forget. But, but then he he says some like gibberish, and he's like, and they're like, "What's that? Oh, it's Wonka Wash backwards." So they get on this this large vehicle um, that that Willy Wonka is controlling. And it's like the whole time they're driving, it's spurting out like this crazy foam. Apparently that foam that they, that they get sprayed with, it was like a um, fire extinguisher foam. And it, it was like a skin irritant. And all the people that were on the, the Wonka mobile, uh, they had like like rashes and burns from it. <laughs> they had like recover from it for, for a few days. That's so weird. Like why can't they use like, like soap? They, they had to use like firefighting foam. What do you think about that? That's like crazy. Uh, it was weird, but it was a really, really <laughs> fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, the next, after they go into the Wonka Wash, I like how they go into that little drying area, and it's like it, the the car looks like it compresses and stretches back out again. Uh, but next, they visit the Wonka Vision Machine, and now this is uh, this is the downfall of Mike TV because he loves his TV. Apparently, it's like a giant camera that takes an image of a a giant Wonka bar. It sends it in a billion little pieces floating through the sky, almost like how a, a television image is sent and it sends it to like a TV set where it shrinks it back down. But the thing is, it's not an image. You can actually grab the Wonka bar and uh, eat it. So it's like almost like a teleporter machine. And of course, Mike TV wants to be the first human being to be sent via television. Uh, so he just decides to take it upon himself to get in front of this machine and be sent into a million little pieces. But lo and behold, he gets shrunken down. It's like, honey, I shrunk the kids or some shit. Uh, so he ends up a tiny little, a tiny little kid. Uh, the mom's freaking out. She actually grabs him, put puts him in her purse. Uh, Wonka informs her that uh, it's okay because he's a you know he's a young kid. They're usually very like you know I forget the way he describes it, but he's like they're very pliable. So we're gonna take him to the taffy pulling machine and hopefully we can stretch him out. And she's like freaking freaking out. And uh, the, of course you know, here come the Oompa Loompas. Uh, talking about watching too much TV and whatnot. Um, all of the kids have uh, have now been eliminated, except for Charlie. Charlie's the good one. Uh, so now Wonka bids Charlie and Grandpa Joe adieu. Uh, but Charlie's like, you know, what's what's wrong? Didn't you know? 
didn't I win? Did I do something wrong? Like, what's going on? And so uh, Grandpa Joe vows to get to the bottom of it. So he follows Wonka into his office. He's like, what's going on, Wonka? And he's, he's, he demands to know, uh, you know, why Charlie, you know, didn't win the prize. And uh, Wonka tells him that he didn't win because he stole fizzing lifting drinks. And uh, I just love that scene. Like, uh, I remember him talking about it in an interview. Like, he, he wanted to play it really straight. He wanted to yell at him. And uh, he, he almost wanted to tell Charlie, the actor who played Charlie, Peter Ostrom, uh, that, you know, this, you know, don't worry, I'm not mad. I'm just acting. But the director was afraid that he was going to ruin the scene. So he had, a, um, he had to wait till afterwards to tell him that he wasn't really mad at him, but he played it so good. Like, he's so angry. You know, he's like, uh, it's all here, clear and clear as day, black and white. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. Now the ceilings have to be washed and sterilized so you get nothing. And he, he looked legit mad and whatnot. Um, and then uh, Grandpa Joe calls him a monster and a thief. And he's like, he's like, old Slugworth's going to get that, uh, you know, everlasting gobstopper. Gobstopper. He's, he's going to get that everlasting gobstopper. And then uh, Charlie realizing that that's the wrong thing to do. Being the great kid that he is, he you know he he's about to leave with Grandpa Joe, and uh, you know he gets the gobstopper and he places it gently on Wonka's desk. Maybe that was the test. That was the test. Uh, apparently, uh, Slugworth was not real. I mean, maybe it was at one time, but this Slugworth is a fake. Um, apparently, he was a plant from Willy Wonka to test the children into seeing if they would do the right or wrong thing. Um, and everyone lost except Charlie. He was the only one to bring back the gobstopper. And, um, you know, that, that's a true testament to the, to the, the great nature of Charlie and how, you know, he's a really good soul. And because of that, you know, he won, he won, not only did he win the, the whole lifetime supply of chocolate, but later on he found out from Wonka that he won the factory. So he, he, he's looking for an heir to his factory and he, and uh, he said that he was looking for children specifically uh, because, you know, if, if he picks an adult, they're, they're going to have an agenda about what they want to do with the factory, what they want to turn it into. They might want to change it. Uh, but he feels like a child can have a better understanding of how Wonka runs things. And, you know, they can see it, the magic through a child's eyes and whatnot. Uh, so that's why he, he chose a child to take over. And, you know, I'm assuming he's going to run things until he can't run it anymore. And then he's going to pass it on to Charlie. But... Uh, at least that's what I think. Uh, but Charlie won. He's he's the, he had the good heart out of all the all the the kids that won the contest. Um, you know, he excited. He takes him over to the Wonka Vader, um, which he reveals it can go in all directions. It's not just a regular elevator. It can go up and down, sideways and diagonally, and whichever ways you want. Uh, and then. Um, he takes him up into the sky, crashes through the skylight. Uh, Grandpa Joe's freaking out at first, um, but they're flying through the air, looking down on the town. Uh, that's when he reveals that uh, Charlie won not only the chocolate, but the factory as well. And uh, essentially, Charlie's life has changed forever. He said that you know, the whole family can move in with him, that he's going to be the heir to, you know, to the Wonka factory. I mean, it's, just, it's such a great ending. No one deserved it more. Then poor Charlie. Um, and then uh, there's a famous line at the end, which famously, the, uh, it was originally uh, something completely different. So Wonka tells him, you know, you know, do you know what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he ever wanted? And then Charlie's like, what? Uh, he lived happily ever after. And I think that's such a good ending, right? 
But apparently it was originally going to be just Grandpa Joe saying, yippee. And then, and then the director's like, no, no, this is ridiculous. I can't end my movie with, with, with Grandpa Joe saying yippee. So he called um, the writer. He was on vacation. And then there was like literally only, I forget where he was on vacation at, but there was literally like a one pay phone that was nailed to like a, like a tree or something like that. And it was the only way they can contact him. And he kept calling and calling. Finally, he picked up. He's like, I need a, a line and I need it now. He's like, I know you're on vacation, but this is ridiculous. I can't have grandpa saying yippee. And so he came up with the line on the spot because the only thing he could come up with is and they lived happily ever after. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to pitch it and hopefully he likes it. And he's like, great. This is perfect. Uh, so we ended the movie perfectly. You know, they lived happily ever after. Yep. And this was a very, very terrific movie. I give this a high matinee. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, like uh, what do you rate it out of ten? I give this uh ten out of ten, out of a uh, nine out of ten. Nice, nice. I would uh, I wouldn't give it like a ten out of ten, but I would definitely give it like yeah, I would say a nine out of ten. I think it's a great movie. Gene Wilder's terrific. I think all the actors are terrific in it. They all play a great part. Even the uh, the awful, awful Grandpa Joe. <laughs> It's not the actor's fault. It's just the I way he's written. I give this a high rental. He played him great. Uh, yeah, I would definitely a high recommendation to watch this. If, if anyone hasn't watched it by now for some odd reason. Please watch it. Please watch it. Don't the watch Gene the Wilder, Johnny Depp version. <laughs> the Gene Wilder version. Please, please not the Johnny Depp version. Oh, God, no. Uh, but yeah, I definitely prefer this one. It, I mean, it's so great. so iconic. I feel like it's going to last for decades and decades. Uh, but yeah. I have a little bit of a trivia before we end our episode. Mm. Um, uh, according to Mel Stewart, um, the reason why everything uh, during that end scene when he reveals that Charlie won, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but everything's like cut in half in his office. Originally, that wasn't the case, um, but he thought that it would be weird to you know, all the rest of the factory is so fantastical. He thought it'd be weird just to end the movie in like a bland office. So he had everything cut in half to make it more wonkified and more wacky. So I thought that was a good choice. Uh, apparently, uh, Gene Wilder's Wonka costume sold for almost $74,000 back in 2012. Oh, man. Woo! Hopefully, someone's taking care of that. That's a piece of movie history. Uh, Gene Wilder beat out a few famous names for the role, notably Fred Astaire, Peter Sellers, uh, who personally called uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory author Ronald Dahl uh, to ask for the part. And all six members of Monty Python... Uh, Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Terry Gilliam, and Terry Jones, and Michael Palin expressed interest in the role. While Roald Dahl pushed for uh, British comedian and personal friend Spike Milligan to play the role. So there's a lot of people uh, that could have gotten it, but it couldn't have gone to a better actor. Uh, The the Oompa Loompas came from British and Turkish circuses. Uh, There were nine men and one woman, and according to to one of the people that worked on the, the picture... Uh, they were frequently drunk by the end of the day's <laughs> filming, <laughs> and once they gathered, uh, the entire cast the, the entire cast's shoes from the hotel they were staying at tied all the laces together and left them in a giant pile to be discovered the next morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, what a wild bunch! Yep. Uh, yeah, what what a what a wild bunch! Um, very very <laughs> wild bunch. We hope this video gets a lot, a lot of views, yeah. and we hope this goes viral. Definitely. We had fun talking about uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, are you interested in seeing the uh, the new movie? Uh, the, was it Wonka with uh, Timothy Chalamet? Yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, I'll give it. Yeah, but I'm comfortable with Gene Wilder's. Yes, I'm, I'm fine. Even if the even if uh, this new Wonka movie sucks, we always have Gene Wilder. Um, that I can assure you. Well, this brings a wrap to this episode of The Men Who Watch Movies. We had so much yep. fun talking about this, one of our favorite movies. Uh, we hope that you uh, keep uh, keep on watching us and uh, just make sure to subscribe. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and comment down below. What is your favorite moment uh, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? And, of course, subscribe to my channel called Movie Man Behind the Scenes. Yes, of course. I'll, subscribe. I'll, I'll put a link to that. Uh You'll get a link by my cousin, so uh, you'll get a chance to see my videos. But, of course, I want to make sure that it gets a lot, a lot, a lot of views. <laughs> yes, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. Know what I mean. What are you, Ernest? Uh, yeah, this has been fun. Uh, we hope you keep uh, checking back with us. We're going to have another great episode for you next week. Um, you know, hopefully there'll be no more gaps in our, in our episodes. You know, we're doing our best. We're trying to pump them out, but we got, we, we got, are, we, you know, we're busy, but we, we're doing our best to, to make, uh, you know, to make some more content for you guys. Hopefully we are going to make better content. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, this has been fun. My name is Alec. And my name's DJ, the movie man Wagner. Also and... known as the COE <laughs> of the man who watch movies. That is correct. And uh, we hope that you remember to keep, keep on, on watching. watching. Thank I you, hope everybody. this goes viral. Me too.